podcast where we explain bands. I'm your host, Olivia Ladd, a music journalist in Nashville, Tennessee. The premise of this podcast is I find a friend, musician, or other journalist in the Nashville music scene, and we discuss the history, discography, art, and influences surrounding our favorite cult bands. Bandsplainer is part of the We Own This Town network of podcasts based in Nashville. You can find more information at weownthistown.net. Bandsplainer is available for streaming on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and pretty much anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. To keep up with the latest, follow Bandsplainer on Twitter at Bandsplainer. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy. Welcome to Bandsplainer, the podcast where we explain bands, and today we're recording season two, episode two, about uh, one of my favorite rock heroes of all time, Patti Smith, and our guest today is Elena Franklin from Reality Something, and you can sort of introduce yourself and uh, what you do in the band, maybe more specifically than I um, clarified there, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm Elena. My band is Reality Something. Um, we live here in Nashville, but I'm from New York originally. And uh, I don't know, man, I'll talk about that later. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> I'm sure we'll get into okay. it. So Patty Smith is, I don't know if this is a disclaimer or me trying to put my thoughts in order, but Patty Smith is such a huge artist, and I assume that for a music nerd podcast, the like crossover of audiences, people that have read maybe a lot of her books or about her and are definitely familiar, also considering the era we cover quite frequently is like late 70s and 80s music. Anyway, so on this one, we are going to go in the normal format, like chronologically and such, but... There's just no way to cover everything that Patti Smith has ever done because she has done so much and she's so cool and <laughs> important. So this one, this is a this is a, just a big one for me personally. I think you as well. So just more kind of like want to set a mission statement of like, even if you are a fan or you've never heard of her, that you know listening to this podcast is more of like an argument for like why Patti Smith is important and how she's influenced us as people and obviously like so many other artists and people every um, like single literally artist. It's like, it's there's yeah. there's no way you can't uh if you make rock music i don't think there's any way you can't have been influenced by patty smith at least a yeah. little bit um yeah yeah so a brief description before we go into the whole thing here is that patty smith is considered the godmother of punk rock and she was part of the Chelsea Hotel, CBGB, New York punk scene of the late 70s. And even though that's kind of what defines her, I guess, musical legacy, she uh, still to this day in 2019 is touring and has put out music. And she also is a great writer of poetry and books, novels, nonfiction, fiction, sort of everything. So Patty Smith is quite a quite a person, an activist, really anything, anything that falls under uh, the rock, rock hero sort of uh, category. 
so I guess we can just get started by talking about her beginning story. So Patty Smith has detailed quite a bit of her life in books and probably her most well-known is Just Kids, which is, um, yeah, <laughs> it's like changed my life to read. <laughs> Me too. Um, but Just Kids is a novel that um, is dedicated somewhat to her, uh, well, pr- pretty upfront, uh, to her sort of relationship with Robert Maplethorpe. Like they were sort of started out creatively together. So anyway, it details her time as a young person in New York starting her career. If you've read that book, you'll be familiar with the story. But basically, she grew up in New Jersey, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And she was like a Jehovah's Witness. And um, she was working in a factory as a teenager. And she ended up having a child she gave up for adoption. And in 1967, after... Like, who is that child, though? No, I know. where are they? (laughs) Okay, that's crazy. I've Googled it so many times. Uh, Uh, No one knows. No one knows. She doesn't even know. She's going to... Let it go. Kind of crazy. Because if I was, if Patty Smith was my mom, I would like. Yeah, no shit. Be like, hey, what's up? Uh, <laughs> what's going on? Um, so that's crazy. But she moved to New York in 1967 and was absolutely living in poverty. Like, literally didn't have a place to stay when she first got there. Was working at like an antique bookshop. And like um, sleeping in the back. Yeah, literally. Yeah. But she knew she wanted to like be an artist. She had this conviction from the very beginning, uh, which I think is the most admirable thing about Patty Smith. Anyway, so she meets Robert Maplethorpe working in this bookstore, and then he was working somewhere and gave her, oh, gave uh, her like a necklace. Uh-huh. Or something. It was yeah. it, he. He came in and bought this like antique, uh, like Egyptian necklace yeah. from her, and so she remembered him, and she was like just ballsy out of nowhere. Was just like, don't give it to any girl but me. <laughs> and <laughs> then he ended that. up. He did end up giving it back to her later after they were already like, yeah, nice. Funny. <laughs> so they met and kind of for the first two years of their time in New York, they sort of had like a whirlwind romance starting yeah. out, and then I think the more defining part of that is that they were like creative partners and he he if you're not familiar is a photographer and he kind of died young before he got to fully explore that format I believe but mm, I mean not young yeah he was young but he was pretty I mean he was out there yeah I I just feel like if he had more time yeah he could have you know but for a lot of their time he was you know they were I think in this era that we're talking about, uh, they were sort of like bound by poverty, which sometimes was like they couldn't get their hands on the materials or whatever they needed. Oh, but yeah, yeah. I think that is a cool part of their artistry is like despite all of that, they created. Yeah, uh, she was so kind many of formats. His of muse, like f- for a long time in the beginning, and then obviously she, he was her muse, like later on. I mean, yeah. always, but then like for just kids, it's like for sure yeah. for like and yeah stuff she did. I think especially later after. Uh, after several people in her life died, which yeah. we'll get to. He, yeah, definitely became a muse. So Patty Smith, in 1969, her and Robert brought their portfolios to the Chelsea Hotel because they heard this was, like, the place to be where all of this art was happening and they had friends living there and they moved in to the Chelsea Hotel. And this is the same time, this is, like, the defining era of the Chelsea Hotel in New York. I'm trying to think of all the people that lived there during that time. I mean, it was, like... Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix frequented there. Yeah, there, there, there was a lot of people hanging out at the, at the El Chelsea. Diablo or yeah. whatever. The yeah, next door. Yeah, yeah, they would, like, go drink there. And um, a lot of, like, Andy Warhol's 
people and and uh yeah it was a huge crossover with like the factory yeah. scene Edie Sedgwick and Andy Warhol type of people and just a ton of musicians yeah. in the Chelsea Hotel I don't know maybe we can go into that for a second what, yeah yeah just like talk about uh I guess the scene there and this is kind of how when she was living in the Chelsea Hotel I don't think she kind of talks about in the book she she didn't really set out to be like a the front woman of a rock band oh yeah, yeah. no not at all and so I think it's like these uh four or five years here where she really like finally realized that so yeah she um, was a poet and she would um she she everyone was always trying to get her to read and she was like then nah, i'm not gonna whatever yeah. at these like happenings and whatever in the saint mark's church so finally she decides to do a reading and she uh like just kills it and everyone's blown away and she has lenny k and all these guys um that she gets to like put music it's not music at first it's like right, just yeah. noises and yeah. like like she asked her she asked lenny if he can play a car crash on guitar and he's like uh yeah <laughs> so they <laughs> cool, so yeah. like yeah so they do that and just like blow everyone away and um immediately i think she's like offered a record deal immediately or something and she, she like yeah, turns it down yeah and yeah. so but but she didn't feel like she was uh like worthy of it yet or something i don't know but uh eventually obviously she does and yeah. they record electric lady but <laughs> yeah she this is just i guess basically the time where she as with any any young person or any scene whether it be the chelsea hotel or like some college town like there's this value to like being in a community of creative people and all being starving artists and kind of just throwing out anything you create and seeing if it sticks sort yeah. of thing and that's exactly what was happening was she was like writing a lot and dealing with like just destitute poverty like being friends with Allen Ginsberg and yeah. all of these people but they would have to go eat like 50 cent sandwiches yeah. at a cafe or steal but it's crazy that like you could you could do that then you could yeah you now you can't now. go to New York and do that you can't which, do it anywhere well, it's like true. everyone yeah. it's like you have to have health insurance and car insurance and a cell phone and like mm -hmm. all this like you cannot get by on nothing. You just can't. Yeah. It's so different. You can get by on a little. Yeah, you can which get by I've on a little. Done before. But yeah. <laughs> not, I mean, I'm not definitely like, doing that yeah, right now. <laughs> I feel that. But yeah, <laughs> it's totally different. I mean, it's crazy. And she also during this time, I think is interesting. Is she tried to do like music journalism, sort of to oh, get yeah, like yeah. free records, yeah, like yeah. really basically. And uh, I mean, she also like was a great. She's writer, a great writer. Yeah, yeah, and knew it. And but she did it, and she uh, she didn't really like being a critic, but she was published in like Cream and Rolling yeah. Stone, which is also a thing you can't just like do anymore. Right. She's like, I think I'll just try <laughs> this out and write for Rolling Stone. Yeah. And then, mm, maybe. Yeah. Um, which is really funny. And there's actually a really cool I found recently um open culture is like one of my favorite websites hmm. they just have like thousands and thousands of like online classes and archives about like everything but i especially love all of their like rock and roll archives and there's this like short presumably untitled uh it's just called like chelsea hotel in 1970 nice <laughs> um yeah and it's just sort of clips of like all of these people in their rooms in the chelsea hotel and patty and robert are in one where oh, they're cool. just like sharing a cigarette and then she just starts like reciting this weird poem <laughs> and like dancing around with balloons and stuff and it's like a really cool insight to like wow like you kind of can see parallels, even though it's it's very different today. Just like when you see your friends all making art together and uh, trying out things, it was like a very interesting time. Um, but to just have that much like 
creativity in yeah. one spot is crazy yeah to think about she said in the book there was a quote and it was like the chelsea was like a doll's house in the twilight zone yeah um which i love that yeah so it's cool they were just trying out a lot of a lot of things and you should definitely read the book to get way more into that i think the main person to like really push her into maybe fronting a band was sam shepherd yeah, is that your is, next yeah, thing? Yeah, that was exactly my next point. <laughs> okay. was, uh, yeah, so like in 1971, she sort of formed this friendship, which turned into a relationship with Sam Shepard, the playwright. They wrote a play. Uh, her first, I guess, like official big like published thing was Cowboy Mouth, their play, and she appeared in it one night only. And they did the play by, like, she didn't even really know how to write a play. And yeah, he, they just passed the typewriter back exactly, and forth. Exactly. They would push the typewriter across the table and do it. And uh, after she performed in the play and he kind of got more into her poetry and read more, he was like, no, like, this is, this is something different. Like, you need to start a band. Like, yeah. you need to, like, be out there. And the first time she saw him, he was playing drums in... I can't remember the name of it, but he was going by, like, Slim Shadow or something, like, playing drums in this <laughs> yeah. band. And uh, and she went on a date with him to Max's – or what was the other Max's one? Kansas Max's City. Kansas City, yeah. I think, yeah. And uh, somebody, one of the Warhol superstars, like, pulled her aside and was like, why are you – how do you know Sam Shepard? Like, he's got plays on blah, 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 whatever. And she and she had no idea who he was. That he was, like, a Broadway player. Yeah, but yeah. it's interesting how, how sometimes you uh, see – see in somebody else like what you really want to be doing and I think without yeah yeah realizing realizing it that's like such a cool thing about Patti Smith is such like a peculiar and I mean that in the best way like person and like that's what she yeah like she writes about (laughs) and all this stuff is like Robert would you know he knew he wanted to be a photographer like a visual artist of sorts and he'd be like okay well like Andy Warhol is hosting this thing like we're gonna go with these people at this time and she would like not drink alcohol there she would like sit in a booth and like be like oh this is also like yeah. plastic or he whatever. was like very 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 aware of all the like of societal bullshit exa- you the have art to the do. high art yeah, world yeah, for yeah, sure yeah and she like didn't care in yeah. a way, which is like crazy because i don't think it discounts your art to like know when to be in the room with the right people oh, yeah. sort of thing at all but like she like didn't care to like look into that which I is I think she left her own first show early or something which is like fuck yeah. you guys she <laughs> like, like left oh, the Sam Shepard to, to go eat lobster yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so that's like the interesting part when she did meet people like Sam Shepard so or punk. whoever she is so punk she's <laughs> so literally punk. the definition <laughs> of punk rock like no one is more punk yeah um, so she met Jimi Hendrix around this time, too, and he would hang out uh, in the bar connected to the Chelsea Hotel. But one day she was sitting outside of Electric Lady, which will come full circle in a minute when we discuss her first record. Mm-hmm. But he kind of, like, noticed that she was, like, different or didn't care or seemed shy or whatever and, like, talked to her. And this is, like, very, very shortly before he died as well, yeah. which is kind of the crazy part. So basically she she's kind of a person that always seemed to be around the right crowd but not in an intentional way at all which is what's so interesting so in about 1974 she what was the show i believe it was television at cbgb i think it was i think she saw the doors at some point and it was jim morrison it may have been i think that's what it was i'm pretty sure like she saw him and she and she 
it maybe it was when she was doing the like rock journalism thing or whatever and i could be totally wrong but i think i think that is like i think she's sure like multiple jim shows, morrison yeah. yeah and she said that there was like a moment where everyone else was just so like amazed by him and whatever and like she definitely thought so too but she had this other feeling of like i could do that and that was the first time she'd ever like thought that yeah for sure We'll Which is like sort of a tie-in to she. Uh, she did go to Paris twice, like yeah. uh, before 1975. One trip was like she with her sister, saved for, yeah, and then, and then yeah. one. Oh yeah, his on. Sam Wagstaff. Oh his, yeah, his, uh, yeah, Robert's um, par- partner. Okay, that's yeah. what it was. He was yeah. rich, like museum yeah. guy. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. So Robert, once he kind of uh, came about his sexuality and uh, was dating. Sam Wagstaff, yeah. yeah, he did send Patty Smith, and that was, as you probably know, Jim Morrison is, like, now buried in Paris and stuff, but she was very into Arthur Rimbaud and sort of the whole culture surrounding that, and so I think, yeah, all of that sort of yeah put back into influence. Um, anyway, she so she started the Patty Smith group sort of unofficially, but then they were signed to Arista Records very soon, like right in 1974, John Cale from the Velvet Underground, who one of my favorite like other solo artists from this era, he produced their first record at Electric Lady Studios. Is where it was recorded, just Jimi Hendrix's studio. And this album is their first album and so defining of genre era her career. Horses. Yes, let's, yeah, dig into horses. This is, yeah, beautiful album. Yeah. This is one of the first albums that I think outright, maybe the first, sort of fused, like, spoken word with what punk rock was. Yeah. And, like, in that, in itself, redefined, like, the boundaries of rock. Like Absolutely, yeah. I think the craziest thing about that era and, like, punk and new wave is that none of those bands sound alike at all. Yeah, None of them exactly. sound alike. It's not, like, now where it's, like, oh, punk, pop punk, and you, like, know, yeah. you know what it's going to sound like. Like, somebody, whoever, just put a label on all these bands coming out of New York and then London and just decided to call it punk, which has a lot to do with the magazine, Legs McNeil, who wrote Please Kill Me. Yeah. We should do a whole podcast just on that fucking book because it's so we good. Could. Anyway, but – um. But yeah, so it's like that's the, the interesting thing, and then and when you listen to horses, it does it's still nothing else sounds like it. No, at yeah, all. that's crazy. That's maybe the craziest thing I think about Patti Smith because it's like even television. So many bands have adopted the like angular, brittle like yeah. guitar sound or the Ramones. There's like obviously like you know pop punk now that yeah, sort of comes to yeah. that. But Patti Smith like. It is so undefinable. Yeah. Like, even on within the record, it's, uh, I think, like, I mean, when I first tried to listen to it when I was, like, much younger, I didn't really totally get it. Oh, yeah, yeah. But then after I listened to Horses, which I think we've talked about this before, which yeah. just, like, it, like, changed your perspective on music. I was like, I'm oh, wait, glad... you can do whatever. Yeah, like, there's exactly, no exactly. rules. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that I never, like, discovered it when I was younger because I totally wouldn't have gotten it. I would have just been like, this isn't music um so I didn't even listen to it until I was I'd either had already read just kids or I was probably you know part way through it or something I don't know but I read her before I listened to her oh that's interesting yeah, yeah. and so like this and and I got the I got just kids as a as a gift from Kingsley sister as a Christmas gift and I like credit her with like oh, the reason that. I do anything yeah. is because of this book seriously it like yeah. completely changed my life and so the first time I heard horses I I was just like you can do that 
It's yeah. like, okay, what, you can do this? Like, crazy. Like, I just had no idea that any kind of music sounded like that. It was yeah. such, she's just so free. And everything she does makes you feel like you can do anything. It does. Her writing and music, I think, Both, like, yeah. Like, makes me want to be, she actively made me want to become, like, a better person. Not that I was me a bad too. person, and but, I've like. so many other people say yeah, that. Yeah, she it's just, wild. like, a, there's, like, a, I feel like a before and after of me getting deeply into, like, Patti Smith's work. And yeah. because, like. She's a shaman. She is. Like, it was, like, a place in life where I was, like, as everyone, creatively failing a lot. Because yeah. I was, like, 20 or 21 or something. You know, like, sure. you know, you're, like, you know, so I had, like, been, like pitching out all this work and it's not like working out and I'm like oh like should I be a writer and then I'm like <laughs> get really deeply into Patti Smith and M Train was the first yeah. book I read and I was like oh my god no I just have to like dedicate everything completely to like exactly doing things and doing them well and not caring exactly and about it's what like, people think exactly yeah. and it's just like what is your measure of uh success or winning or not failing or whatever like it de- it just depends on what that is but if you're truly enjoying what you're doing and it's making you better and it's making the people around you better then like that's all isn't that the most important thing oh yeah i know? think so and i think she's also just a testament to like in the music or creative world you do have to redefine success like yeah you're, yeah you're oh success- my god this isn't going to be the, like, Thanksgiving table definition yeah. of success. It's, like, the, Especially like, now in music. It's, like, oh, every, yeah. <laughs> every it's, it's changing every year. I mean, it feels like it's, like, every few months it's different. It it's wild. It's crazy. So she, yeah, she just made me, like, realize, like, oh, wow. Like, especially after Just Kids was the second, the <laughs> second book I read by her uh, was, I was just, like, oh, like, I got to, like, fully dedicate, like, it, it just made me understand, like, how to put into focus everything. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Horses is an album like that that, like, I think once I got it was totally life-changing. And the first song, Gloria in Excelsis, I can't say that, Deo, um, the southern I don't think I've ever tried to pronounce out, it, yeah. yeah. So, first of all, it's a Van Morrison song, yeah. Gloria, so it's already a song. And then she takes her poem, um, Oath, which is, like, one of her most famous early poems, the opening lines to that song I think are the best opening lines literally ever to any song I will stand by that take Uh, Jesus died for somebody's sins but not mine yeah like that's beautiful yeah (laughs) that's amazing and she she explains in the book like when they were recording that like what she meant and why she chose that poem to bring into the first song in her first record and it was because like once again, like, dedicating yourself to your art or your practice, it, she was like, I'm responsible for what I do wrong and what I do right yeah. and who I am, and I'm not going to pin it on, like, some stranger that's, like, like a savior or whatever for me. And and she uses religion as sort of the emblem there, yeah. um, which is so, so cool. Yeah. That song is amazing. And then it's just such an interesting... The whole song is an exploration of, like, androgyny and just so many themes that she sort of like championed in the punk rock world before they were being talked about I guess yeah 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 um it's interesting how a lot of her songs are written or sang from a like a kind of sexless point of view or or male I guess but or whatever but you know what I mean and Debbie Harry did that too a lot in her songs in Blondie a lot of her songs are sung from a male point of view and I I just read also Debbie Harry's book which is really good Um, but I was thinking about how how 
ah, do I? I was thinking about how when I was a kid, and you know, you write stories for school and stuff. Or yeah. You write, I I wrote everything uh, as a as a child, like as a boy. <laughs> Really? But I never That's thought about it. Yeah. yeah, and like I'm not. I never thought about it until recently. But I was like, oh yeah, I did that. I like that's weird, or maybe, or it's not. It's actually not weird. Like I yeah. don't know. And I thought that was interesting. That is interesting. Um, but she yeah. sort of removed that like lens of perspective that like obviously would have clouded her work at that time or made other people perceive it differently. Yeah. But that was also her whole thing was like Patty Smith had such an interesting look. Like she looked. Yeah. But it still does, like, super, like, lanky, like, black hair that she cut herself, like, always wearing, like, weird, tattered shawls and yeah. whatever. And, like, especially she was super in, androgynous Yeah, especially and stuff, in, in um, yeah. the picture on the cover of Horses, which is the yeah. first time pretty much, like, anyone saw her. Saw her that hadn't seen her live. And yeah. you kind of can't tell, like, she could she could be a dude. You can't tell. Yeah. yeah. She was definitely one of the first to be, like... Um, androgynous and David Bowie I guess too but yeah yeah. and just to be in that scene and it was like uh, I read like somewhere once described where it was like it was it sort of was like punk is uh, obviously every genre music has some intersection with sexuality at some point but hers she was like this like attractive androgynous person who was like yeah but I'm nice I'm Patti Smith I'm gonna be your friend like I'm not like marketing my you know what sexual not that that's a bad thing but you know that was like her whole angle she was coming from was like this like super just weird figurehead I think that no one had like seen before and horses like really sort of established that yeah there's so many good songs on horses as well Redondo Beach is one of the first she played at CBGB which I actually found a recording of uh, today and she plays I can't remember. It was like a cover and then Redondo Beach, like a very, very early experimental version of Redondo Beach. And it sounds kind of crazy. Oh, yeah. So she does uh, We're Gonna Have a Real Good Time Together by Velvet Underground and then goes into Redondo Beach. Oh, cool. Birdland, Space Monkey, Distant Fingers, and ends with Gloria. And that was like a 1975 set at CBGB, uh, I guess right before after the... Um, record came out so that was like my mom moved to New York in um, the mid 70s and she her like coolest thing that she's ever done was she saw I don't think she saw Patti Smith but I think it was Blondie the Ramones television and somebody else at CBGB she like went to a show there yeah that's so cool. I know. You'd think, like, so many people in New York, like, went to shows there during that time, but they totally didn't. They didn't. It was a really small place. It was the place. DIY, like, yeah, and underground. Like, like yeah. definitely a lot of people went, but it was, like, all the same people, and it was, like, pretty much, I think, mostly in the beginning, just all the people that were in the bands and, yeah. like, bums. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, pretty much. Yeah, but my mom went to a show at CBGB's, and she'd be, I hope she's listening to this, because... <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, That's she, really she would cool. like that I told that. <laughs> also like 1975 is even before the whole like british punk thing i mean that's like a good two years before sex pistols like even played a show in america yeah it's like that's like really cool yeah uh that they were doing that um so people kind of at this point they like catch on like the people that get it catch on and uh you know she has john kill who is in velvet underground obviously produced it so you kind of have the backing of the andy warhol velvet Mm -hmm. all of that um, and in 1976, they recorded Radio Ethiopia, which is far less accessible um, yeah. and was not appreciated by people who played music on the radio or 
many other musicians, I believe. It was just very, I think, misunderstood at the time. Yeah. But I think this one is a really important album. I think this was the album that made me, like, Horses in itself stands on its own, but this was, like, for a while, I think my favorite Patti Smith album, just because I was like, oh, this is, like, even more pushing the boundaries of, like, noise and rock and spoken word and rock. Yeah. it's wild like pissing in a river is such a distant fingers and poppies and then of course the title track i think uh, are probably my favorites um didn't speaking of like noise didn't um thurston moore talk about going to see patty smith like very 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 on are you gonna get to that later i oh, okay. no, i didn't write that on but yeah yeah I do, yeah i, do know I think that, yeah. i think he came to like a very very early patty smith show and like liked it <laughs> oh yeah there's definitely sonic youth has definitely picked up a lot of yeah. like that you can obviously tell the patty smith influence in their music which is like super cool but yeah radio ethiopia is really interesting and i think she also stretched herself as a spoken word poet already knew the power of her literal like sonic voice like yeah. and use of that and here you really just see her like i think especially in the title track it's like staticky and it's just so interesting yeah it's it's crazy and so speaking of other people just while we're in this time era so michael stipe is there's a lot of artists like we said that are like huge fans of patty smith and whatever but michael stipe is like sort of her lifelong like biggest fan in a way and And they're very good friends they are now which is so so wonderful and uh he he kind of credits her with like being the reason he's a musician or rock musician and uh there's a really cool quote about radio ethiopia is cool because he says like when i play guitar and i don't sleep i dream i feel like i'm ripping off patty on radio ethiopia because Hmm. he's like i can play one note it's an a but i play that one note really well (laughs) um which is great and so in this magazine i have in front of me it's a mojo which is like my favorite favorite music magazine Hmm. it's what got me into music oh that's nice yeah Yeah. um but this is an issue from 1996 when patty made her comeback yeah which we'll get to crispy as old as i am it looks really very (laughs) very uh uh crisp um yeah so he wrote this like tribute but one of my favorite parts was like this quote radio ethiopia was this 10 minute song and it was her desire to play an e chord i think radio ethiopia still stands as one of the great sophomore records simply for that reason she says this is what i want to do and this is what i'm gonna do i admire that punk as Um, fuck she is she's so (laughs) punk i just think that's wonderful she's so cool but yeah radio ethiopia wasn't as accessible and then the next two records are sort of the last two of the patty smith group quote unquote and this era of her life in general after that was easter which was sort of the commercially successful peak of patty smith group because it has her most well-known song because the night um which is her most popular as far as like just in the rock world in general i had heard that song before i knew who she was oh yeah um it's it's a great song like it's she, a good is, is bruce springsteen sing that with her or was that his he, song yeah so i like actually that? the story of that is so he co-wrote it which is sort of why it like and i guess played guitar or something oh I, on yeah, it. yeah yeah yeah. Um, but it you know shot into super success and uh you know she even talks about in just kids like her like walking through the streets of new york and hearing that song and then she didn't realize until she heard that song playing in the wild that she's like oh i guess i did it yeah i guess it's happening 
Um, I think it's like one of the last lines in Just Kids. She's walking with Robert on 8th yeah. Street or something, and they hear it coming out of a store, and he stops, and he, like, smiles at her, and he's like, Patty, you got famous before I, I did. I know, and <laughs> yeah. that quote, it yeah. makes my heart just, uh. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I think I remember the thing with, with, uh, with what is it, Because of the Night? Mm-hmm. I think um, uh, it was supposed to be for Bruce Springsteen. He wrote the verses, right? But he couldn't so, figure out the chorus. Yeah, he had written, like, he all he had was a song title and mumbling. Yeah. Like, to the melody. Like, <laughs> yeah. he was like, hmm. So, Jimmy Iveen. Yeah, I think. I Iveen, think. yeah. Um, he was uh, his engineer. So, he, Springsteen had been, like, working with the song for months and then he finally hears it, and he happened to be producing Easter in New York and was like, okay, like, maybe you guys can get together on this. She's a lyricist, whatever. And then they came up with this song, yeah. and it's like a lasting hit. It's yeah. my go-to karaoke song. Oh, is that right? That's funny. I can't sing on key, and that's the only one I can really uh, do. But <laughs> it's very dramatic as well. It allows, you know, her to yeah, perform. But yeah, she added her own lyrics and then recorded it for her album, and it's still her biggest... Yeah. of all time and then there is a now controversial song on this record oh but yeah there's a little discussion here because okay discussion. this is uh oh, there's a lot of good songs on this record that just thematically dive into lots of things about like privilege rebellion yeah. and just lo- lots and lots of things but exactly halfway through the record track six is rock and roll the N-word, N-word. rock and roll N-word. Um, yeah. But it is still often listed as this great rock song. Like, well, it's yeah. talked about in journalism. Yeah, Courtney yeah. Love says that's a song that, like, made her realize she, like, could be rebellious without, like... Patty Smith saved her life, too. Yeah. Which is crazy because, like, if you hear Courtney Love, you never would think Patty Smith, Right, like, but ever, she said it ever. was, like, it was, like, hearing Patty Smith was, like, I can break the rules without, like, doing, yeah. being a criminal. Like, yeah. I can, like, break these yeah. rules creatively and quit being crazy, yeah. like, sort of. So um, that's the problem with using words like that yeah. is that now obviously a- anyone that doesn't know her work is like what wait what fuck? is you're yeah. like i'm not gonna listen to the, anything this pe- person has ever said but at the time she she was using it sort of uh god how do you even explain it it's like I she know, was using, she was considering herself one exactly. in, in in the in the definition of the word which is like an outcast from society she was like with that that's what she, you know what i mean that's like that's what she exactly was saying. what it was it was um trying to pull up she the... calls jackson pollock one he's not you know it's exactly. like there's like a bunch of people she that talks she about says like are, uh y- you know yeah like all of these uh jesus christ grandma Jimi hendrix right. jackson pollock she says grandma did she say grandma, grandma uh <laughs> which funny. is so funny um, i've never heard that part but it's like baby was a black sheep yeah like, it's sort of so now that obviously would not be cool if she were to write this song now. No, but of at the not. time she was identifying it's hard to discuss this. I'm like getting it ahead is. of my own thoughts. But yeah. the song is important because she she doesn't play it anymore because her son is in her band and like has sort of they both agree like okay, like yeah, what there's it a fit time now. and place. Yeah. But at the time in nineteen seventy eight 
she was taking this word that was putting so many people down even you know like racism is still very much alive trying to redefine exactly she was trying to reclaim which is a thing that has been good and bad throughout sort of civil rights and feminism over the years there was also a huge movement in the 70s with feminists using the c word can i say it i won't say it can i say it (laughs) yeah cunt <laughs> like as much well, as they exactly. could, and like referring to their own vaginas as, as, as that, a, yeah, you know, like but just to try to take power out of the word. Exactly. So par- that's the best explanation of it. I can say it's hard to like get to the point on this one because I'm like, how do I explain it without being like, you know, I don't like co-sign that or whatever. But at this time in 1978, she was using the word to take the power from the people who were using yeah. it negatively yeah. and label everyone who is an outcast. And there's like an exact lyric that's like outside of society. Mm-hmm. That's where I want to be yeah. outside of society. They're waiting for me. Um, it's a good song. It is. And if you look in the lyrics and try not to uh, put a stigma on that, you know, whatever, it's it is a message that is important at the time and i think a lot of other artists latched onto that for sure and within the context of the album as well like it comes right after Blog, it's it's uh it fits it's just complicated i know when i first got into Pie smith then i found that song i was like whoa like yeah wait, I, what? I feel like i knew then, i knew so much about her already that like that, i heard it and i yeah. didn't i didn't think anything bad about it yeah. but it just sucks that. It was confusing, but then yeah. you listen to it, and I was like, "Well, this isn't her. Like, has nothing to do with has what no, the yeah, word not, means." Exactly, exactly. So, but Easter was her most commercially successful kind of coming back from Radio Ethiopia. That was not uh, super popular, but now is heralded as a super classic album, as it should be. Uh, Easter was kind of her segue back into, I guess, what is more defined as rock, but it's still very different. And then, anyway. <laughs> so the next year, 1979, Patti Smith Group puts out Wave, which is a fantastic album. And this is also, so because the two biggest songs off of here are Dancing Barefoot and Frederick, oh, yeah. I would say, they are dedicated to who became her husband, Fred Sonic Smith, yeah. who was playing in her band and was responsible for a lot of the like weird guitar sounds maybe <laughs> in uh, some of her work at this point. Um, it was her wave goodbye. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So she um, uh, was dating the keys player from Blue Oyster Cult. Yeah, oh, I can't Alan, remember. Alan um, Lanier, Lanier. Something like yeah. that. And she sometimes sang and wrote lyrics uh, to some of their popular songs, whatever, and sang with them, but that was like a tumultuous relationship where they were both sort of doing their own career and whatever she details in the book. But she meets Fred Sonic Smith and like falls in love and writes his songs like Frederick and Dancing Barefoot. And it's like, oh, yeah. yeah. But this is a great, I think Revenge is one of my favorite Patti Smith songs of yeah. all time. This is a great album. And it's kind of like, I mean, it's still in the vein of everything else she's done, but it's um, maybe a bit darker. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of like an interesting twist or turn. But that was the last album she made for almost 10 years. Yeah, she she went and and, uh, had a family and wrote incessantly and didn't publish anything. Yeah, so that's a crazy... That sounds... Sometimes I'm like, wow, that sounds so nice. If you read some of her poetry, like I have Babel here somewhere. If you read some of her poetry from like the time when she was like touring Europe a lot and so yeah. it's pretty I mean it seems like it was fucking crazy out there yeah. like really hectic for her I can and her imagine. band and like 
And um, her as a person, like, just, like, being someone who has read her stuff or whatever, I can't imagine her being... Like, when you see her tour now, it's very, like, calm. And yeah, she's softened her, like, a hotel, lot. Yeah, what, yeah, and at this point, she's, like, up for scrutiny, just being this, like, interestingly androgynous, like, young woman in yeah. rock, and then also, like, he- hectic touring and, like, everything that comes with that. Yeah. I can imagine it's not easy. So she moved, like, north of Detroit uh, in Michigan with Fred, and they, like, had two kids, and she wrote a bunch, and she had, like, a framed picture of albert camus in her kitchen and just sort of like got inspiration for 15 years yeah and they would they would often visit robert maplethorpe so he ended up contracting hiv which turned into aids in the 80s um and so they visited him and he did like portraits of their family shortly before his death and uh, she definitely kept him very close. So in 1988, they did record Dream of Life. This has People of the Power. Which she is, still plays that one at shows. She still plays that one. That's like, I think, that one is definitely more, the way it's produced, I guess, is different than what I would say is like classic Patti Smith. But Oh, yeah, and she was so much older then. I mean, she was, she like was, a, and, she, and was she was a mother, and it, her yeah. life was so different It's then. really interesting that she came back and did that, like, you know record or whatever and uh people of the power though i think is a great like example of a like patty smith's like activist side or whatever um is great i at uh one of my favorite things is like this summer i uh co-taught with brandon de la cruz we did like a music journalism class for the children at southern girls rock camp cool it was really fun they like didn't like they didn't know what it was at first then (laughs) they ended up loving it um but the last day like i was like okay let's just like review some songs because i want to know what you think like you criticize these songs I give you. And then People of the Power was one of the ones oh, cool. I played for them. Yeah. And then we, like, talked about Patti Smith and, like, androgyny and, like, stuff like that. But they all loved that song. And they were like, this song, like, I have the power. like, And I, like, made I them write their little reviews. Yeah. And I kept them. It's so sweet. But, Like, yeah. what we were talking about earlier about the way she makes each of us feel like we can kind of do anything. I feel like that song is kind of like her literal like. Yeah. Like, it was like coming you know. back like a decade later and being like here is it like yeah. without metaphor or right, whatever. And right. so that was like was interesting I think to like show kids that song totally. and then be like oh like we have the power like it doesn't matter what's going on yeah in politics or whatever and like that was like I was like oh that's like a wholesome message like yeah Patty, it's like, very wholesome <laughs> give that to the kids now yeah. um so Robert Maplethorpe dies in 1990 and then Richard Saul who was her piano player and then uh her husband Fred dies of a heart attack and then her brother Todd Todd who was also like a manager on her tours and stuff died like a month later so this puts us in like 90 uh, oh I think um, 96 yeah his passing day was like yesterday what is it It is November 4th yeah I know that because it's also Robert Robert birthday birthday. which is also fun side fact the day I had my first art show we we, we picked that day because I thought it would be good and it was a full moon it was amazing that's that's wonderful lots of crossovers there um so she is in this like vulnerable place her son is 14 and her daughter is i'm not sure exactly what age at that time so in about 95 she decides to like make the move back to new york she doesn't have a husband anymore she's like i'm gonna get back into kind of the only thing i know to do which is music and kind of the first person to help her well, Michael Stipe, they kind of become friends at that point, and yeah. he was like, okay, like, you should 
moved to New York, like, we're all here for you, whatever. And Bob Dylan was the one who reached out, though, and gave her her first uh, quote-unquote gig after all of that. And she toured with him in the winter of 1995. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, which is that. interesting. Nice. And he... He was, like, her for I mean, she was obsessed with him. Right? Yeah. She, like, yeah, was, like, loved Bob Dylan. And then as Bob Dylan got older... Uh, loved her. Anyway, so Bob Dylan kind of gives her that first gig, and in 1996, she officially, like, makes her return. So they uh, put out Gone Again. She puts out Gone Again. I haven't spent a ton of time with that record, but it's good. But I think what's interesting is uh, sort of she starts, like, playing shows again and even lets her teenage son uh, start playing with her, yeah. and it's cool now because he plays in her band yeah and I have this interview from like this era it was in 1996 and it's my favorite it's considered one of her most like revealing interviews um but it's like my favorite interview because she's in this like vulnerable place and so she wrote um it was also so right before Fred died Kurt Cobain uh had died and like her and Fred were huge fans of his work and he was obviously a little bit of, like, following in the vein of the punk poet uh, yeah. sort of thing. There's a poem for him in one of these books. Yeah, and so she wrote about a boy, yeah. and she wrote uh, some other songs, but, uh, like, this song is really important, I think. It's a really good song, and she wrote it during this time, and, like, the way she said of it, said it was, like, one way of looking at it is that he's beyond this particular plane of existence, but the song is also a wry statement a frustrated refrain. It relates to my sorrow for the various boys we've lost, whether it be Jim Morrison or Brian Jones, any of these young, gifted, driven people who do feel they're beyond it all and they can completely ravage and ruin themselves and have no sense of responsibility, but we were all pioneering some kind of freedom. I don't know. It's just kind of an interesting take on, like, how she feels about the events. And to be able to sit down and write something like that after experiencing such a large amount of tragedy, uh, I think that was also was her way of, like, you know, coping with it. Um, But that's, like, an interesting uh, So many people from that era, like, the ones that are still alive, you know, when they look back on that time, like, yeah, that's that's such a good way of saying it is that they were all pioneering this certain type of freedom – but so many people died. Like yeah, so many people they did not yeah, survive. Yeah, that. because it, it was like the it and was a toll of all the things they were going through. It wasn't yeah. an easy uh, thing. In 1997, she puts out "Peace and Noise," which is another one of my favorites. Um, "Waiting Underground" is such a good song. Uh, "Last Call," "Death Singing," and she kind of like gets back into her rhythm here, I think. And then she's put out several things since then i think the most important in this like post 90s era are gung-ho which was released in 2000 and it has the song boy cried wolf which is like one of my favorites and i'm not Hmm. sure i know glitter in their eyes i believe michael stipe uh sings on that one and yeah boy cried wolf i think is like a really important patty smith song possibly based on one of her poems um, and then after her mother died, she wrote the music for Trampin, um, yeah. which also has some spoken word oh, stuff on that, it. Oh, that, that, oh, I, I didn't know that, but that, but she talks about, isn't it, isn't it like a, the picture, the cover is like a picture of her feet, right? Like yeah. her bare feet. Yeah. And her and her mother had the exact same feet. She like talks yeah. about that, like very yeah. long and like just one of those things that you notice about yourself. Oh, that's yeah, sweet. I didn't know like that. Yeah, it's like an interesting, yeah. yeah, that was a cool one. And then she does some she did some like covers in 2007 and i think 
the best cover is Smells Like Teen Spirit, which maybe is, like, her most popular cover song, whatever. Mm. And she makes this totally, like, jangly version of this, like, grungy rock song. And it's so good. Like, I think everyone should listen to it. I remember playing it, like, in college for some people who were riding in my car and them getting really mad. Like, (laughs) what is this version of the song? And I was like, no, like, she liked Kurt Cobain. Like, it's this whole, like, tribute, like, Patti Smith version of this amazing song. And it's, of course, like, way longer. And (laughs) she has, like, spoken word in the middle. And it's great. And then as far as, like, releases, I guess the last, like, big one uh, I want to talk about is The Coral Sea, which is a recording. She re- uh, released a book yeah, and a recording her. of um, these poems or this, like, long, drawn-out versions, spoken word, whatever, and Kevin Shields from My Bloody Valentine performed. Oh, is that right? Some of it, yeah. Oh, that's fine. That's, that's really like cool. the one, I have all of these books, that's the one that I like, I have it. It's it's this teeny little book, but like, I haven't read it. Like, I, I haven't been able to read it because it just seems like it's so sad. It kind of is. It's it's a lot about Robert Maplethorpe. It's like it's her like his imagined. It's, it's yeah. her imagining him like fighting his way through like death, right? Yeah. Like, like yeah, yeah. It's, and I've I, listened I, I to, to it, it and I think that that was also some of the like after I'd gotten into her I was like okay I'm gonna like listen to this poem or whatever and it's like it's just like she is such a good writer it's yeah. truly moving yeah. it's wild but since then she has been touring like she hasn't she hasn't stopped being yeah. Patty Smith yeah uh, which is cool she's like made made a total comeback after a break of writing and during this time also published so many books which so we have many books sitting in front of us because Elena brought literally so I have like, four and she has about like 30, 30 <laughs> sitting on the table right now <laughs> Patty Smith it's just as much important to talk about her as a writer yeah. as a musician we talked about just kids a bit and uh, her other I guess memoir is M Train yeah. that people would be most familiar with M Train is cool because it's like it's uh, it is part memoir but it's also part like now yeah noir. <laughs> like yeah <laughs> it's more just like a state of the yeah union, and that's like, what thing. that's what m train means even it, it means like mind train but it's like this tr- it's like and she'll and she'll write about like if you're if you're writing in the present but you but you digress and you write it as if it's the past like what is it then like you yeah. oh my god it's so good which i think okay so i haven't read year of the monkey which just came out yeah you have though, yeah right yes i have yeah uh so the only thing i've like Really, I, I want to read it, so I don't want to, like, spoil it. But okay. my, uh, like, favorite professor from college, who is also part of the reason I got very into Patti Smith. Thank you, Whitney. Whitney. Shout out. Um, but she wrote a really interesting sort of review mm. on her Patreon, and I read it. And it was uh, sort of like a – it was, like, in the style of a phone call between you and her or whatever. But mm. it, it talked about – I think it was an interesting format to talk about this book, even though I haven't read it, because – it was just about how, like, which I think relates to M Train a lot, how time is yeah. sort of like not linear. In yeah, a way. exactly. Like, yeah. yeah, which is a wild concept. But for Patti Smith to be in her old age, like, looking at things and writing them that way is like oh, very yeah. brave. And like, it's even hard to do now because you think of all the things that happen, you know, just in the past few years of your life or whatever. I don't know. It's like really interesting. And I think M Train does touch on that where you how do you reflect on things that are happening now? Yeah. In a way? I think there's a spectrum with Patty Smith of like 
accessible to extremely not accessible. Oh, yeah. And, like, Just Kids is definitely her most accessible. Anyone can read it. Can, like and like a, literally like, fill inspired. Yeah, like yeah. a like a, like a a 14-year-old could read it just, just as easily as I could. Yeah. And it's amazing, and it's, like, really, really, truly for everyone. And then M Train is, like... Definitely, it's it's in the middle. I mean, it's like, I I love it. I just kids was like my favorite. I might I might even like M Train more. I don't know. I really like them both, but I love M Train because it kind of makes you feel like everything you're doing in your like stupid day to day life is magical and amazing. Like you sit down to eat like a bowl of soup and a hot coffee, and you're like, I am a poet. No, <laughs> same. <just> like- <laughs> I felt I felt that way too when I read M Train. Like I even did the like I made a joke like the M Train diet when I would be really broke yeah. and do like the can of beans over lettuce with yeah. Volvo, which I eat anyway. <laughs> but I would be like, oh, like I'm drinking black coffee yeah. and I'm writing at the breakfast table. Yeah. Like, but it kind of, in a way, that's good because like, oh, yeah. the mundane is like no, it's amazing hard to get through sometimes. Yeah. So if you can be like, okay, well, this is like the life of a poet or the life of an artist, and like I do these small things. But it's also I love the writing in it because it's like a lot of my favorite. Like, um, not that I'm comparing them, but like Lucinda Williams, when I listened to her hmm. songwriting, that's was like oh, I can write about anything. Like, you can write about sunlight in a window, or I can write about, like, childhood, or it can be complex to to not complex at all. And I think that book is, like, just For people who haven't read this book, I guess we should a little bit. Because we're, like, like, speaking really abstractly about it. (laughs) But it's basically, like, there's there's a lot of parts in the book that are about, you know, like, a trip she took with Fred, and then there's, you know, some stuff about sort of her past and there's definitely more in it about her life with Fred in terms of the past but then during the present it's also you know she's going to like a hotel in Japan and just like just going about her travels and like what she's doing in her life it's 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 sort of a book about writing a book to be honest it is yeah yeah. and so then Year of the Monkey which you haven't read yet it's a lot like M Train but it's more uh, surreal it's that's what I've heard the sense of everything is even more abstract because there it's at least you understand like oh she's here in this country with her sister or this is a backstory and that's yeah kind of what I've heard is that it's kind of blurs all of that there's nothing really there's not really a lot about uh the past in 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 Year of the Monkey. Actually, yeah, it takes place over a year. That's yeah. what it is. It's yeah. Year of the Monkey is the Chinese New Year was the year she wrote. I think it was 2016. Um, and so a lot of it is like sort of um, dre- dreams are infused with reality kind of. And she 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 doesn't break between them. It's just like. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of That's like definitely that. my next uh, next read. Yeah, you'll like it. It's um, short too. I yeah. Mean, not super and short, then but. I have, I've only, the only other two I've read besides like poetry stuff, like I've read some of Babel or whatever, but Devotion, yeah. which is um, fiction, but she wrote it, uh, from what I understand, she wrote or at least got the idea in Camus' estate, like the family uh-huh. invited she, yeah. her to come and she was kind of going through his belongings and like they gave her a room and like uh, she just went upstairs and started, like, writing it. It's pretty and- cool because there's, like, half of it is this little fictional story about, you know, the skater and whatever. Yeah. And then, but then the sort of beginning half of it is, uh, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, I can't remember. There might be an essay in there too about like why we write. But she that goes, is, she, yeah, yeah she goes like through a dream. It's not a dream. Right. It's kind of like why I write. And, yeah. Uh, so she goes yeah. through this this whole sort of trip and uh, talks about just like 
what she's doing, you know, the, this round frozen lake that she sees and like the fried eggs on her plate and like all this stuff. But you see all these little things of like where she's getting ideas for the mm-hmm. story. It's, so it's beautiful. Yeah. So it's like it's kind of cool because she like takes you through how how and why she even wrote the story. And it's in the same book as the story, which is cool. And it's cool. So before I read this, um, and there's pictures. There's her photographs. On yeah, all her which books, like in yeah, which all I totally books stole that idea. <laughs> I love it. I've um, everything. I've stolen everything from Patty. <laughs> but she, uh, I think everyone has. Yeah. She talks about. So I found this interview like before I read this book, and she talks about it in the book. Like Virginia Woolf had her room. Like Dylan Thomas had his shed. Like. Just talking about, like, how all her favorite writers had, like, what is sacred to them being a writer yeah. in the process. And in that book, she really, like, she has the story, but then is like, hey, but here's the behind the scenes. Like, exactly, here's how yeah. it happened. But, and then I've also read Wool Gathering, which I is sort of one. a short, very that was short. Like, like, I think that may have been the first, like, memoir. the first one thing. she published. I mean, not it, she published a bunch of stuff in the, or you know, 70s, sort of. But since she since she um was older you know after she had children and all that stuff I think somebody approached her with the idea of doing a little book and they had this series and um I think William Burroughs who's like one of her favorite writers is also one of my favorite writers I think he was supposed to be doing the one he he was doing one too and he didn't like his number they like they were all numbered and he didn't like his number so he switched with her so this was like number 44 or something I mean I don't know what number it was but yeah they they something I th- I'm, I could be telling this wrong, but they definitely switched numbers. I don't remember why. That's cool. Yeah, but that's like, a, this is a short one, but it's sort of memoir style, like yeah. a little bit about like her husband and her childhood and kind of like all the rest of them, actually. It's like some yeah. of it is like clearly real, like, you know, little memories about her childhood or whatever. And then some of it is like clearly dreams. And yeah. some of it is like just poems it's like a little bit of everything it's a really good one though i love it which that i I was trying to remember why we even started talking about patty smith in the first place and i think it was because uh for those of you listening (laughs) olivia um interviewed me for our like record release last year for my my band's record called life noise and the title thank you and the title life noise I like lifted from wool gathering. There's a there's a sentence in there. We should have found it before I we started, but there's a so. sentence in there that you know she she's on her balcony and she's like looking at people below or whatever. And then she says, uh, "I left my post in pursuit of life noise," and she's like going out into the world, whatever. But I just like saw that and I was like, "Oh, oh there's yeah, my record it is. title." The exact yeah. uh, quote because I love the end of this chapter is uh, the only thing you can count on is change, and yeah. I just love that like saying. But yeah, it's a uh, I placed the last of my tools, quills, in a box. I pressed my palms together and bowed, leaving my posts in pursuit of life noise. Yeah, man. And beautiful. Yeah. Just beautiful. I and I that. just, like, and I had read the book before, too. Like, I totally had read it before. I, But I was, like, every time I can't think of something important, like a record title, I just try to, like, like keep open for things yeah and usually something comes and it's the right thing and when it's the right thing you know it's the right thing yeah. and I just read that and I've, I've read it a bunch of times before I'm sure but I read it and I was like oh that's it nice yeah 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 and she has so many other books I mean I need to read more but a lot of her poetry they're all sitting in front of us and we will definitely post a picture yeah of, uh, <laughs> how many books she has some photography books so I'm trying to think of other uh, just like details. So Patti Smith was also inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2007. 
so she you know she has like a lot of recognition for work but I just feel like sometimes she's it like just conversationally I'm just like wow like how how does everyone not like just consider her like the like yeah. number one like punk rock I know. artist well, it's like, like it's once you crazy. find her she becomes like the most important exactly. but if you don't know her like you it just is don't... hard it, because I, it's not yeah. always accessible I think but it's like for me it was just like you, you can't quit digging like even doing yeah. research for this I've been a fan for years and I just like found new yeah. things that I was like oh, genius like, yeah oh. Yeah, she's really cool. And so recently she did she did Year of the Monkey and she's been on tour. She did Riot Fest and played in Paris and there's this amazing amazing long read profile in the New York Times where they interviewed her and I guess she hasn't done an interview in a while. I, yeah, it's weird to um, imagine her doing an interview. I know. Like she shares so much with us just right? but of her own, you yeah. know, it's it's like hard to um, imagine. Her doing so this an interview. interview is cool cuz it does talk about like the legacy of a lot of her songs and playing now and relationship with other artists um but my absolute favorite part was like there was like a bonus edition at the very end where it was just like a Q&A format and uh so they were like okay we're gonna ask you like the writers like we're gonna ask you these things whatever so the question the first question was you don't drive you don't like utensils you can't tune a guitar and she said they're all true and then he said you can't swim and she said I don't know how to swim I'm a goat I'm a Capricorn yeah and then he said in the 70s you would refuse Novocaine at the dentist on the grounds it was un-American because they didn't have it during the Civil War and she said that's something I would say yeah So she also just seems like such a weird She's so funny. She's just really, really funny. And I also, uh, in the Bob Dylan Rolling Thunder review, like that, I can't even get into that, like, whole, it's kind of wild. Like, not everything that happened in the film is true. It's, like, very Scorsese, whatever. Mm. But uh, there's, like, a scene where she's just hanging out with Bob Dylan and somewhat doing spoken word and somewhat just like saying things and he's just kind of <laughs> nodding along and I'm like she seems like the weirdest person to hang out with like I wish I could just like be in a room with her because she was just like going on and on about like something pretty nonsensical and everybody was just like yes yes yeah, yeah like that makes sense like she was just so she's I wouldn't even call her like she's not a performance artist because of the way she dedicates herself is just so true to like who she is and right. everything she does. Yeah. It's wild that that's have like you actually seen her who perform? she is. No, have I, you? Yeah, I did. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. It when? was a couple of years ago. It was like, uh, I mean, I've been a fan for like a hot minute, but yeah. I mean, not too long, like a couple of years. And um, I she would. She was playing with her band in Chicago, very close to New Year's, and I wanted to visit some friends in Wisconsin over New Year's anyway, so I, like, bought tickets for me and Kingsley, and we went and, like, stayed in a nice hotel, and it was, like, it was nice. it was cool. Um, awesome. Yeah, and, like, she – this wasn't the tour where she was pulling strings off guitars at the end of every set, <laughs> but it, like, felt like that. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it definitely, like, if she wasn't doing that, she may as well have been doing that. What – yeah, what was it like, like, her stage presence – I guess was it like just like going amazing. through the songs or like talk like oh no she talked I mean and, she yeah. talked a lot yeah she talked a lot and she did I mean she just did songs from like uh, you know what I think it was I think she I think it was Patty Smith performs horses I think she did horses oh, in its entirety that's yeah and then there probably was an intermission and then she probably did a co- like a couple of other ones or something like that maybe no maybe no intermission I don't really remember but. Um, she definitely performed horses in its entirety, which is a big part of the reason why I wanted to go. Oh, but it, it's like my my boyfriend was with me, and he's like not 
a fan. I mean, not not a fan, but he but just not, is not. Is, his, he's never. Doesn't have 30 books. Yeah, he's just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's it's like, yeah. he loves Tool. I, I yeah. like don't not love Tool, but <laughs> yeah. I'm not like, you know, whatever. For sure. Um, but so he, but he came with me and even he was like, damn, this 70 year old woman is like, got my attention. You know what yeah, I mean? And it's like, just has such, like, not a, a lot of things can get his attention. Yeah. Like, she, yeah, she's just, she's amazing. I never, so I've also wanted to just like hear her read. And like, I was talking to a couple friends that like a couple years back, it's been a while, but we, Patty Smith came up on a road trip or something and they were talking about how she came to Nashville and did a reading when maybe Entrain came I out. was there. Nice. Yes. Nice. And uh, they were just saying how she like made the whole room like it you was, were there. You okay. Will, she made the I whole room like you. stand up or hold hands or something. They well, were like if anyone else did it no, but like Patty Smith had this whole presence. And it was, was a like, crazy ah. day because it was so I got surprised. Um, Kingsley's mom and sister, who's his sister Kate, is the one who gave me just kids in the first place for Christmas that year. Um, and so they like surprised me, and we all, you know, we all went oh, and nice. whatever. Yeah. yeah. So I didn't know about it until I think the day before. I think I figured it out, but it was also the day of the Paris attacks. Oh wow! Yeah. So yeah. it was a very like charged. Day. It was very, um, I mean, it, it just, you remember, it was yeah. whatever. I mean, it was, so, so the the whole time you're like, oh my God, I'm going to Patty Smith tonight. Like, is she going to talk about it? Like, what's it going to be like? And like, I was, I was uh, not worried, but just wondering if it was going to be like a very somber, yeah, like, like heavy. event. Yeah. And the thing is, is that it totally wasn't. Like, she did, the whole time she, she like, was just joyful and I mean she it, it was a, it was incredible like she kind of for a while made you forget all about it and like forget about everything else in the world and then at the end when she was talking she was like I you know she's talking about she's like I know what's going on out there I know you know and she started talking about the Paris tax and and what happened and um and she was like but it's my job and to, you know to entertain you all and to try to make you feel better and that's like my job and that's what I'm here to do so yeah. that's what I'm gonna do and then she's saying people have the power and she's saying oh, yeah she's saying a couple uh, songs I think some, someone played guitar maybe there's like two or three people playing an instrument but it was obviously very like stripped yeah, down acoustic yeah. but she sang for everybody and it was it was just beautiful oh, but it was like amazing. it was incredible the way she commanded um the attention of the room especially just with everything that was going on it was yeah it was it was pretty crazy yeah, that just speaks to, she really does, like, I feel just, like, as a person, like, just reading her writing, whatever, just everything she does is so intentional mm. and mindful, and, like, it is, it's, she's the same person on and off stage, whatever, but, yeah, to, like, take that, like, this is my job, I'm obviously affected by this as, right. like, a and she human. loves Paris. Like, she's always oh, exactly. had a thing exactly, that's, Paris. like, yeah. she travels there a lot and has done a lot of writing there, and Yeah. so she's just such a such a good person such a good person so good oh my god and i brought her i had written her a a letter and i and i got her <laughs> I, I i i made like a little package which people do for her all the time yeah, it's like not yeah. that weird that i did it but yeah. i did no i, I would wrote do that yeah i, I wrote her a letter <laughs> and i put in like one of my little poetry chat books just because oh, i thought I you know that. i thought yeah. she might like it and um i got her a I, I like a bag of coffee beans and it was the uh, from what is it? Um, Portland Brew on yeah, 12th South. Yeah. They have a they have like a brew called 
Ethiopian high priest, I think. And I just thought she'd yeah, love that because she's like so Radio great. Ethiopia yeah. and her like Aww. Egyptian cross and yeah. stuff she always has. So I like brought it, I like ran up at the end and like handed it to her. And then later I had posted a picture on Instagram, like on my story of like, oh, oh, oh maybe she'll get it. And I had written her name kind of in like swirly letters on the front of this big envelope. And then later somebody sent me a picture that somebody else had posted on Instagram, like maybe the venue or something. Yeah. And she was holding it and you could see, oh you could God. see that it was my letter because yeah. you could see my writing That's on the outside amazing. of it. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So pretty cool. That's so great. Yeah, I really hope to see her. I want to see her at Riot Fest, but the timing did not uh, line up on that one. But yeah. If I you have ever faith, get I'm a like chance. putting it in the universe that I will see Patty Smith. For sure. I, like, and if you ever get a chance to see it. her on a book tour, yeah, that's like. It, yeah, both. Maybe even better. To, I mean, yeah. it was, it's just so intimate. Like, that's, yeah, that would be super ideal. And she's <laughs> always, it's crazy. She's like up there in New York, like always stopping at bookstores and just like signing yeah, tons she, of like, books. Yeah, she like hangs out at, I can't yeah, remember the Rand name McNally, of the one. I think. Yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah, She'll just like, like sit there and sign. I've, I've like have a few friends has said they've like seen her in New York and that's like the ultimate, oh to God. me that would be the ultimate like yeah. celebrity spot. Like, oh wow, they're okay, that's it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who else. Like, yeah. I would be more excited to meet in my whole life uh, yeah. than Patti Smith. I would have been really excited to meet Anthony Bourdain. Ugh. So sad. Yeah. We don't have to go there. <laughs> sad though, but yeah. yeah. If anyone is listening <laughs> to this that has not like gotten, gotten into, into Patti Smith, Smith, I hope that you do. Yeah. Just, I think Patti Smith is such an important artist because not only did Patti Smith take punk when punk was still figuring out what it was and create like a format for every rock song ever made yeah. after that and also was like the format for a lot of women in music as we talked about and like the slits they said Patti Smith was like the only person they had to look up to that did that but patty smith just truly like dedicates her life to art and music and who she is and yeah i think it's just really important that she's still going and doing what she does and i don't even know how to say how much i admire her like in any poetic i'm just or so fancy thankful way. i'm like literally Same. so grateful for everything she's Same. ever done I mean, she just, like... She makes me feel alive, man. She does. I just, like, I know, when I read Just Kids, I literally, like, bought a plane ticket to New York oh, and was right. like... Yeah, you I just, like, I don't know. She just, like, brings out a visceral reaction of, like, being a human and wanting to, like, document and experience and be a good person and live out your art and, like, also just, like, take away the expectations of it and just, like, do what you love. and Yeah. Uh, One of the main beautiful. things I feel like I learned from her, especially early on with her music and her writing and everything, is that, like, I was always afraid... She she's so good about paying tribute to her heroes. Oh, yeah. And she's, like, so just, like, open about who she, like, loves and admires and copies and, like, all. I mean, Gloria, not that, not that she, like, even loved that song, but just yeah. as an example, Gloria is literally a song already yeah. that she just, like, put words over and it's, like, now it's Patti Smith's song. And it's, like, but, but I was always afraid of, like, doing anything artistic being like oh well everyone's just gonna say it sounds like this you know what I mean or like like I, I was always worried but that's but that's the beauty of art is that like you are as an artist you are a product of all of, of your influences every, yeah, plus sure. what you can bring to it oh, and everybody yeah. is like that there's no exception to that every single artist in the world is like that and she really taught me that through um 
uh, you know, what she does. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. She, I feel like kind of that way as a writer. I, I like especially because when I got into her, I was just so creatively stuck or discouraged. Yeah. And like being a journalist, like it's easy for me to. Well, it's not easy. It's hard every day, but <laughs> to like you know crank out like doing things like in a format, I guess. But then like as far as my personal writing, like. I think I was so afraid to, like, just sit in my room and create or write what I was thinking because it wasn't perfect. Right, and I always yeah. go about things. It's like, it has to be this way. Right. And, like, for her, it was, like, now I just find myself over the past few years, which I'm sure is also an age thing, but, like, just writing about, like, my day. And then when I look back on it, I'm like, oh, well, there was, like, a little bit, there was, like, a hidden message in there. Like, sure. there was, like, a lot more there than I thought just writing about, like, whatever I feel like writing about. Yeah. And, yeah, I feel like she just made me a better writer and better person, and I'm thankful that I have her art to, like, look at and yeah. listen to and, like, immerse myself in and just, I don't know, do things your way. Like, yeah. she's a good person to look up to yeah. to do that. Yeah. Okay, well, I think that is all we can say about Patti Smith. I really hope you do take time to listen to her music and maybe start with, like, some more accessible things, but just dig in, get weird appreciate it yeah so thank you for coming on the thank podcast thank you and thank you guys for listening hey listeners so this is an addition to the episode i wanted to record to add on to the end because there's been an update since we recorded it about a couple weeks ago from the release date uh, so firstly, thank you for making it over an hour of hearing us talk about Patti Smith. It was very much a pleasure and an exciting conversation for me to have and get to listen back on. So apparently putting it into the universe that I would see Patti Smith live and hear her read somehow came to fruition and I knew the opportunity would come along someday. But very recently, Patti Smith was announced as the headliner of Big Ears Festival and it was also announced that she will be presenting a literary program and conversation that I assume the details of will be released uh, closer to the festival or during the festival uh, once the title of the program and all of that comes out. So if you're unfamiliar with Big Ears Festival, it's very different than pretty much any other music festival experience you've probably ever had. I couldn't quite compare it to a conference, and it definitely doesn't match up to outdoor festivals like Bonnaroo or something like that. It's a very special curated avant-garde experimental festival that happens every year in Knoxville. It's really cool and this year Patti Smith is probably definitely the most populist artist playing but she definitely fits right in with the experimental definition of things. But the rest of the lineup is really cool. There's everything from Liz Cooper of Grouper's new project to Che Appalache to Pakistani singer Aruj Aftab and the Vulture Prince Ensemble, Jacob Kierkegaard, just tons and tons of artists that you probably won't know the names of many if you look at the lineup, but that is why it's so great. It's my favorite festival to go to for discovery sort of and it's just really a great cultural experience so I just thought it was cool that if you're listening to this especially if you're in Nashville you can have an opportunity to see Patti Smith and also hear her read that's that's a festival I cover every year so hopefully I'll be able to write or you know maybe even do another podcasting about that experience but you should definitely check that out 
And once again, thank you guys for listening.